From Editor-at-Large, this is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. I hope you'll join me. You're probably listening to this podcast because you love the design industry. It's full of great stories, personalities, beauty, and soul. It's also changing quickly and needs to evolve or risk being diminished. Our sponsor, Fuego, is building tools to protect and preserve it. Go to fuego.com BOH and enter the code BOH to get a free month of their project management software and join the conversation at fuego.com. And now, on with the show. My guest this week is Holly Hunt. Holly is the founder and CEO of the company that bears her name. Holly, welcome. Thank you. So I thought we'd start by talking about the creative side of you. And I know that from a very young age, you had an interest in fashion. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, my God, you've heard everything. (laughs) I know all about you, Holly. Well, I started, I think thinking I would be a fashion designer one day. But I think I made my first dress in fourth grade, maybe a mom's sewing machine. And all the way through high school, I sewed. But I always was making things, whether it was tooling, leather, bag, or whatever I was doing, I was making and drawing and doing artwork. And that's what I thought I would do when I grew up. So you thought you'd be in fashion originally when you grew up? Well, I grew up in West Texas, small town in West Texas. It was right. not the Milan of the <laughs> West. So I didn't really know exactly how to get there. Okay. So I wound up going to Texas Tech, and then at Tech, my um, advisor said, oh, be in retail. That's very close to fashion. Well, it wasn't exactly a design school. Right. But from there, I got to a federated department store in retail, which is how I learned my business part. And I don't think I could have done what I eventually did if I hadn't had four years in a federated department store. So that was a great training program. It was a great training program. So that was Foley's department store? In Houston. In Houston. Okay. And so you went in sort of through a management training program? It was called the Executive Training Program, and they actually went around to campuses in those days. Macy's had one, Allied had one, Federated had one. Interesting. They were all very good, and they actually looked for the people they thought would be good retail people. So you were recruited. And so, kind of, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's really interesting. So what do you think they identified about you that made them think you'd be good? I don't know. Obviously, they didn't fire me until we got through <laughs> because I was an art and design English major person, never had a business interest. Right. Or didn't understand business. And so I was really very green. But I came out of it so much smarter. Wound up coming to New York, wound up buying, coming to New York. Okay. And that was pretty much how my career started. Then I married a person. We went to Chicago. You married a person? A person. I married a guy, actually. I didn't marry a girl. I married a man. Okay. We went to Chicago. I had three sons. Okay. We had a business leasing equipment to railroads. That was his business, and I helped him with it. Okay. So what kind of equipment did you lease to railroads? Piggyback trailers. Piggyback trailers. Okay. And that was a good business? It turned out to be a really good business (laughs) for a period of time. Okay. Well, I was instrumental in helping him do that. And then 
I don't know exactly how to say this, but knowing I was probably getting a divorce with three young sons, mm, okay. I decided I need another job. Right. And so I thought I would rehab houses. Because I'd done, in those 10 years we were married, we had done houses, apartments. I had two different places in Boca. We had an apartment in New York. Then in Chicago, we had an office, two different apartments downtown, and finally building a big house in Winneka or buying a big house in Winneka. So I had a lot of training for this other career I eventually sort of accidentally got into. Yes, and were you doing the interior design? Yes, and all I did these, all, all. You did all the interiors of all these right. spaces. Okay, so I'm sure some were better than others, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Now, you learn a lot, and you learn a lot about the industry, yeah. and you learn a lot about what the industry needs and how it works. So eventually, the house in Palm Beach that I thought I bought the banker bought when we went skiing. You thought you bought and I, Yeah. I signed it. He, they agreed. I signed the contract. Okay. And we went off skiing. And when we came back, now I'm young and naive, you understand. At this point, right. I found the real estate person in the Yellow Pages in Palm Beach because <laughs> I had the house in Boca, right? Sure. Okay. And so I'm looking for a house to rehab a house. For, and it was a very good deal. It turned out to be a fabulous deal, which I'll tell you in a minute. But when we came back, she said, oh, we couldn't find you. I said, you know where I live? You know, well, we couldn't find you, so the banker bought the house. Oh, no. It was the situation. <laughs> so I go back to Chicago and discover that one of the shops that I, one of the small showrooms that I'm doing business with, right. is very underwater. And one of the salespeople suggests I might see if Randy wanted to sell. Interesting. Okay. He didn't want to sell. He just needed money. So need, I, bought this, I bought this okay. underwater showroom, and that's how it started. Now, another interesting part of the story is the house I wanted to buy in Palm Beach was the old Dodge Estate. Oh. And the old Dodge Estate, it was not terribly expensive because of the situation that the man had. His wife had died. It was a situation where you could buy it for a million dollars. Okay. And... It was Marion Sims Wyeth was the architect. He was also the architect of my house in Boca. And he had worked with Addison Meisner when they were doing everything in Palm Beach and a little bit in Boca in the 20s. And I think later it sold for about $35 million. <laughs> I'm sure if, because I saw it, this is about two years ago. If I had gotten it, I am sure I would have spent too much money on it. And at that right. time, I probably could right. get, I probably would have made a little money, but it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have, I'm sure I would not have held it held long enough to, to right. make a real business yeah. work. So you bought the showroom in the I bought the, the showroom in the Merchandise Mart. Right. And I didn't have a big hairy plan. I've said this to other people. It was an escape plan. I need to plan what I'm doing for my life. How am right. I going to support my three kids? But I always thought some tall, dark, handsome man would come along and rescue me. <laughs> but pretty soon I fell in love with the business and no man came along. And you didn't and need that. You didn't need to be rescued. I didn't need to be rescued. I might have been happier had it had both. Right. But, you know, it's okay. What happened is okay. Life has been good. Okay. I, I look up and say thank you every day. Well, that's great. So this is roughly 1983. You buy the showroom... 
uh, it's it's sort of Carl Springer furniture, yes. if I remember, yes. and, right? And, yes. and, and Old World Weavers is in there. Oh, and they and... didn't go together, of course, so we <laughs> well, had a lot of that mismatch. But it gave me opportunity to, I, I had known Carl from days in New York, but I met Iris Apfel. Right, of course. And her husband at the time, yes. they had Old World Weavers. Right. They were tripping, and oh my God, can you believe her story, she is so fabulous. Yes. She's so fabulous. Look at all that she's gone on to and still so still active going. and involved. And, yes, and ad campaigns. So you, so you had this showroom, and how did you begin to sort of transition it into something that, that did go together, that would work? A year later, it becomes Holly I put my Hunt. name on it about a year later. Okay. But I had, you know, you just do it. You just look and say, I didn't have a big hairy plan. I just right. had, I said, I can do it better than they're doing it. Okay. And so, first of all, I bought 80% of it and left 20% with the guy who was running it. But that didn't work out at all. <laughs> so, okay. after that, I wound up with 100% of it and um, just started building it, you know, piece at a time. You find, I found Rose Tarlo through, um, oh my God, what's the guy, the designer's name who introduced me to Rose? Um, can't remember right now. And we found Jim Thompson oh. came because it was the girl, and I can't remember her name either right now. <laughs> we can probably fill this in. Anyway, Jim Thompson came into my showroom right. with a woman who was just bringing back pillows from Jim Thompson. She later started importing the fabrics. Oh. And then there became, and so there was a lot of, there were a lot of things going on in those years that were very developmental. Yes, it was the It early was people stages. just beginning to yeah. be, and we were just beginning to have showrooms really be important to the better interior designers because historically interior designers made most of their stuff or found antiques or did whatever. Okay. And Rose had had an antique shop. Then she started making the furniture, right. scaling it up from her antique. And so we went from being very modern, which was Carl Springer, and we did very well with that. Right. And then it's changed. In the late 80s, everybody wanted to do traditional. So we had Rose. So that was perfect. And we had other fabric lines and other things that we picked up along the way. Okay. But I always wanted it to be, I was more comfortable with high end. So I was not, it was not about the price. I've always thought if your product is right, the money will come. Never worry about the money first. I mean, you gotta pay the rent. Right. But other than right. that, get the right product yeah. with the right service, and you know, the money will come. Um, and I think one of the products of interior design is the service. Mm. I mean, I would say the service is half the business. Is that right? Because designers need service if you're making custom. If, right. you're, buying, if you're buying in stock, it's not that yeah. issue. Sure. But when you're making custom furniture, and it takes sometimes as long to make the pieces it takes <laughs> to have a child, <laughs> which I think we've shortened to now. I think yes. we're more in a cat life now or a dog <laughs> life. <laughs> right. But, right. So we can deliver things in... Um, somewhere around uh, 8 to 12 weeks now okay for custom right but um, I, know that days, was a, I know that was, was a longer. challenge right it's the, always been a challenge yes. but it's also been part of the key of what we do they were able not only to have beautiful product right. with standard prices yes that have the customization ability that you can put your own trim on it and you can change a little bit but you also can make them a different size mm -hmm. And that's very good for designers. Right. So we decided very early on, really, what we did was make designers look good. And 
and I think that's how my salespeople felt. We all, the designers were our clients and the, help, the better we could help them with either the material we had or the service we had or the service we would offer, the more they came back. And that's such a great point. And, and I think if more businesses mm -hmm. recognize that really, just as you say, we're in the business of helping designers to, to look good to their, to their clients, really, at the end of the day. Yes, and hopefully right? the clients, when they get the product, love it. Yes. The people who use the table, sit in the chair, sit on the sofa, enjoy it. And I still have people who come to me from time to time and say, oh my god, I bought something from you 20 years ago and I still love it. Oh. I bought something, I have a Carl Springer piece. That was a long time ago. Or I bought something from you two years ago or six years ago, which is really nice. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's incredibly rewarding. And so what, mm. when was the moment that you sort of knew you were going to be able to, to do it? When, when was the moment that you said, I, I got this? That, you know, you said you were you all sort of knew it at the beginning, but at some I point. I never thought I wouldn't get it. <laughs> I never thought I wouldn't get it. It just so, took a while. Okay. And you do one thing and that leads to another. Right. And I think. The universe is very intelligent, okay. and I think it gives you opportunities all along the way. Sometimes you don't take them, sometimes you do, sometimes you wish you had, but it's abundant. There are a lot of opportunities that come by one's way, right. and you just sort of, and if one doesn't work out, don't cry. Stop. Turn the corner a bit and do something else. Okay. Our things sometimes don't work out exactly as planned, so right. great. Hey, if things don't work out occasionally, you don't have a couple of failures. I don't like to call them failures, but experiences Learning and challenges. Experience. Yes. You're those, not those doing enough. Growth experience. You're not okay. doing enough. Okay. You're not taking enough chance. So you just kept at it. You just kept at it, and then we opened. I said, I really need to be have a New York showroom. And so, but to have a New York showroom, you have to have your own line. Mm. You can't be representing other people as we started. Right. And so we decided to start our own furniture line which we did, and uh, then I met Christian Lieg, and I said, oh my God, he's a better designer than we are. <laughs> and uh, although we might be, we turned out to be very good in the end, but in the end, we, in the beginning, we were beginning. Well, so, let, so, so let's Christian talk about that. So Christian just took off. Right, because that was a major turning point for your business, well, right? it was a major turning point in the whole industry because it was exactly at the time that everybody was buying, I used to joke and say, trying to make new money look old, <laughs> but the huge Wall Street business of all this beautiful antiques and layers of furniture and places on Park Avenue that was all sort of the rage in interior design. And finding Christian, it was an oasis in this business. And you suddenly brought back a modern vernacular right. that people hadn't seen recently. Mm -hmm. And it was just clean. And the people who were art collectors got it before everybody else. And I think the reason is and the key to Christian, he's an excellent designer, he's a real talent, but his proportions are perfect. And when you try to, I'll make a sofa like that. Now I can't make it like Christian's because right. if I do, he'll sue me, so I can't copy. <laughs> but I have to, when, this is 18 years later when he's leaving. Right. And I always knew it, but then I started working with it. Well, we'll make something similar. His, you have to make it different. His proportions are so good, you can't change anything he's doing and make it better. Yeah. No, it, it, and so it's an, it's an interesting, it was an interesting time. And, you know, I think there's an, always an interesting time in business. There's an ebb and a flow. And if you get too much this way, it's no different than real estate. You build too many buildings, 
suddenly you have a downturn and everybody can't pay their stuff and you have a, yeah. it goes down again and it and then it comes back sweeps back up again and the same thing I think in in fashion to degree but particularly in furniture I've noticed it goes from modern and then you go over to traditional again and then it comes back to modern again right now we're kind of a mixed bag everybody wants to mix things but I think it's becoming less there are two things going on one is very clean with special pieces and big spaces and okay. that's why I think Kagan is so good now again right Again, Vladimir Kagan, who, whose collection you bought just a, just a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah, we bought it last year, and I think it was the right time to do it because I think there is that, and it's right. been very successful to date. We've yeah. grown it considerably. Uh, and then the other thing that you want something different and crazy and kind of bohemian, or maybe not bohemian, but there's too much stuff, and you want to choose all, you have too much stuff. And so there's still that going on. So there's this clean group with right. larger pieces right. and larger scale rooms. And there's still this other group, and I, I don't know if I can call it millennial. I don't know that that's it, but there's still the other mixing everything. I want a little bit of 20th century modern. I want a little bit of something else. I want a piece of antique. I want right. something that I found in the Hamptons. I want something. And there's some of that, too, which is just a big mix or a small mix. But there's no real trend like there was with Lieg or like there was when rich, rich, traditional was going on. Right. So this was, this was sort of the mid-1990s. You've got Christian Lieg. 94. 92 in Chicago and then 94 right. in New York. And then 94 in New York. And, and so New York was a great big step for you. You opened up in the D&D yeah. building. Opened up in the D&D building and then it was kind of small so we expanded the space the following year. Right. And um, then in 01, we opened the second showroom in New York, yeah. which is at 150 East 58th Street, and took a uh, messy, messy, messy building inside. <laughs> a, it was kind of a rabbit warren of things. An old rug company was there. And it kind of got it, oh, put right. it in the skylight, did what we did, and it became the major modern showroom. So, and still is. And, and still is, exactly. And so I want to ask you about that because I'm curious about having the two New York showrooms. Mm -hmm. they're, they're close together. One's in the D&D building and then just right down the street, almost around the corner, is the incredible showroom in the A&D building on, mm -hmm. the, on the ground floor uh, that I think many people think of as sort of one of your really flagship it showrooms, is. right? It is. Yeah, and it, and it is. It's breathtaking. It, it, it really is in so many ways. Uh, I, was, I was just there recently for, for an event. Um, tell me the, the reason for having both showrooms and, and how, do they, how do they work together? Do they, do they service different clients? I mean, tell me about that. One was not enough. <laughs> <laughs> we were not in the less of more category. I, but okay. I had more product I wanted to show. We had more product from Lieg. We also were doing our own business own design business that we had started when we started with Lieg, but we stayed transitional, not to step on his toes. Okay. So we had that going on, and we were also representing a lot of very important, mostly LA designers' lines. Okay. Right. So okay. we pretty much kept the rep lines in the D and D where they were, which was a bit more traditional. Okay. And moved the modern over to 150. I see. And that's sort of the way it's. Day. We've it's tried maintained. recently to okay. put a little more modern into 979, 
And I think that had mixed results because there's some conflict. Well, it used to be over there. Now I have to go over here to buy it. I think we're resolving that. I think you'll okay. be able to buy anything, anywhere that Holly Hunt has from either showroom. Right. As long okay. as they have the catalog or know they can sell it because that's that was a little bit of a tangle. But right now, it's a little bit different look. We okay. did move a large rep modern line over to the D&D a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And it's giving us more room now. We have a brand new outdoor line we had never done outdoor before. Well, we yeah. did a little bit with Lee Egg. Right. But we created a brand new outdoor line last year. And suddenly, we don't have enough space anymore. You know, we have Kagan, which takes a lot of space. Yes. We have the new outdoor, which takes space. Right. Okay. And suddenly, we don't have enough to show our own collection. So you take it out of your own collection, but you don't want to be, if it's a business, you don't really want to trade dollars. Right. <laughs> you want to grow it. Yeah. So we're sort of in a situation right now where we need, I think we need to take outdoor and make it an independent showroom because most outdoor collections are their own showroom. Have their own showroom. And I talked to a couple of designers in New York and they say, yeah, outdoor is different because we have to take our clients to outdoor. For textiles, More we present indoor. to clients. Okay. Well, because I guess you're buying so much of it. Okay. Or maybe they have to, they have to see, see it. They have to okay. see it. Okay. And it's not comfortable if they're seeing it all the time mixed in, you know, in the middle of an indoor showroom. Got it. Okay. And, of course, some designers take their clients to a regular showroom, indoor showroom, because they want to sit in the sofa or something. But usually the clients pretty much trust the designer for the furnishing. And the textiles looking at showroom textiles can be very confusing to a client who's not a designer. Right. So in any event, uh, that's where we are now. And so we have opened, well, you know, I sell to know. I know you know that. Yes. And so we've had some wonderful experience about becoming part of a public company. <laughs> so let's just explain that for our listeners. But so so in 2014, in 2014, Holly Hunt, Holly Hunt I didn't need to, to sell, to but somebody came along and said you should meet Andrew Kogan, and so I did, and I said I already know him. But anyway, he talked me into selling my business, and I regretted it for the next two years, but now it's okay. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I've gotten <laughs> over it. I've gotten over it. So you regretted it initially? You, you Well, I was so, kind of sorry, yeah. You thought, why did I give up? control of this thing of mine? Uh, yeah. But now, from what I hear, you have total control. I mean, everyone says to me, Holly's in charge. Holly signs off on everything. Well, that's not exactly true. Okay. But it is, I suppose, for creative, it's still somewhat true. Okay. We have a whole different compliance situation now. Yes, we have a whole different... Company. Yes, that, yeah. that, that is and very challenging. And, and so, I, I think we've done a pretty good job with it, but it's okay. Okay. But... So Going when, back before that, right? When I sold, forgive us that we're jumping around, but isn't that the way we always do it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Does anybody do exactly. a straight line? Exactly. Not in a creative business, no. right? You no. kind of go from here to there. Yeah. We, uh, right before I sold, we already had to plan to open four new showrooms, which would then make our total right. showrooms be ten. Okay. Or maybe. One was a replacement. It was three new, and one was the DC showroom building had sold, and we had to move to oh, a new right. location. Yes, yes. The, um, the Bible Museum. And so, yeah. So we, uh, and they made it like a hell of a lot better than it ever looked as a design center. So God was watching them. Exactly. <laughs> it looks great. Um, Perhaps he did have a hand. Maybe. Yeah. So we had a plan, and we pretty much executed it. 
And so the business grew tremendously because of the new showrooms okay. and because of just where we were in the industry. So we've continued to grow. I'm very proud of that. Right. And um, I think that one of my objectives always is be to kind of have a glimpse around the corner to know where things are going mm -hmm. so you can stay at the top of your game. Right. And I've always wanted to have the best product presented in the best way. And I have a creative director, Joanna Kornack, who can make those showrooms look superb. But she's running out of time now because she can't do eight of, 12 of them. You because know, there are so many showrooms. There's so now. many. So now yeah. I think we're going to be looking for a new person to work with Joanna that has a lot of experience in visual merchandising. Okay. And we're still looking at, you know, you can grow and grow, but if you don't rich and enrich the quality of your infrastructure and enrich the quality of your management team and their ability and so forth. You know, everybody gets stuck on sales, so sell more, sell more, sell more. Sure. Then suddenly you look around at your corporate office and we're doing 50% more business than we did before I sell, but we haven't had one additional desk. <laughs> and so everybody's sitting on top of everybody, or, you know. Right. So yeah. suddenly we have to look at not only scaling in volume, but scaling in quality mm -hmm. of what we're selling, quality of how we're living, quality of our infrastructure. Okay. And so it's, that's the business part. And that's what you're focused on right now? Uh, because you've grown so, I'm, I'm so much. I'm focused on that right now because we need to do that. Okay. And we have a lot of expansions I want to do. I want to expand the LA showroom. Okay. And I think we have an opportunity to do that. Um, expanded in the PDC? And I'm going to do it in the PDC. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not, um, not moving down to the street like, like many Well, we looked have. and looked and looked to move to the street. Okay. And we never found... I found a space I liked and the building was... Everything was good, but he wanted to lease. He didn't want to give me an option to buy. Oh, okay. And I said, why would I put $5 million in your building and make it superb if I don't have an option to buy it? Well, you can have a long lease. And I said, no, I think I'll stay in the building. Okay. And we need a bigger space now. Okay. So I think that we'll do that. That was about three or four years ago. Um, there was this energy that in L.A. you can be on the street and be successful because yeah. L.A., the climate is warm in Chicago. It's harder to be on the street <laughs> because yeah. a rainy day, yeah. nobody comes, yeah. or a snowy day, nobody yeah. comes. Yeah. Um, where should we go back? Well, what I'd like to go back to, because we jumped around with Christian Lieg, and I think it's actually... One of the major turning points, I feel like, for your for your business. So first, Christian Lee joining you was a major turning point and, and really helped your, your business dramatically. And it was the first time we began to make the product. Because for Christian, I saw something in a magazine and we went, I took a, two people and we went immediately to Paris. We met him. Indy Madavi worked for him at the time. She spoke okay. English, which was a good thing. <laughs> and he agreed to come with us. So we paid him a royalty. We produced the product. Right. Having worked with Carl Springer long enough, I knew a couple pieces producing people who worked with him. I knew some people in Brooklyn I knew. So it was easy to get started. Eventually, it gets bigger and you need other sources and right. so forth. Yeah. But... Um, and you scaled that. You, and we scaled it. You, yeah. We just scaled it. We yeah. went from... Interesting. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Christian and I had a contract that I would pay him $10,000 the first year and 15 the second year and 20. These were guarantees for, I think we did a five-year contract. 
winding up with $30,000 on the fifth year. I think we paid him a million by year two or wow. three. So it was... So it was incredibly and my I had a very large commission rate with him. So <laughs> <laughs> and once you start big, you can't slow down. So yeah. you just have to figure out, how am I going to make it? How do I do yeah. it? What can I get for the product? It worked out fine. It was good for him. It was good for us. And I think at the time that the contract terminated, that he sold to private equity, right. was that was 18 years later. Mm-hmm. And... I think it was the right time for both of us because we had built a very good business for him here. Right. He would have stayed with us as a rep, but he wanted to control the manufacturing. I said, I'm not giving my whole business to you. <laughs> no, I own that. Okay. You want to start your own? Go do it. And so then we had the business, the studio business that we already had. Right. We doing almost half as much as we were doing with Lieg. Lieg was much more out in the world and much more... Known. Yes, very high profile. Very Every, high everybody profile. knew the name, and 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 largely thanks to thanks to you that so many people knew the name. I mean, you really uh, no, built built that that brand. No, we built it. So then, so then, two thousand and ten comes along roughly, right? I mean, oh, don't you love it? It was right after two thousand eight. Well, exactly. So we had gone into survival mode. Yeah. And we think, okay, we're going to make this. We can make it, guys. Don't worry, we're going to be okay. Everybody was really. And suddenly he says, well, I'm selling to private equity. Well, I knew he wanted to sell. I said, okay, we'll get through this too. And it was interesting, but I think it was one of the best things that happened to my company business-wise, 08. We were fat. We had a lot of people. Right. And we had people who were probably not always the people we needed to go to the next level. Okay. And we decided to run it, I think, I hate to say this because we decided to run it like a business, but we decided the business was more important than we've been paying attention to. And so we cleaned house with a roof. We said from now on we're going to clean this up and we're going to run it like a really good business rather than it's kind of fun and everybody's here and now we love them too and you know you don't think about. And so we began a real cleanup and a real, a much more rigor about sales and profit and margin and people and so forth and we made a much healthier business and I don't know if we would have done it that quickly if it hadn't been for 08. So the financial crisis sort of forced you yes. to, to let a bunch of people go and to, yes. and to really tighten up the operation yes. and you feel in many ways now that was for the better. It was definitely for the better. And then 2010 comes, Christian Lieg is leaving and and you really had to step up. Your entire team really had to uh, step up. We had up, to step up. Right? And we had to step up. You had to and supplement made, the line. We made six or 70 prototypes of which 50 of them wound up in the collection wow. and we did okay. it very very fast we started a, a shop called the prototype shop because nobody who's going to make furniture for you is going to do 10 prototypes you know right. and I hired a designer from New York Alberto Velez mm-hmm. came to work for us and I had already three people on the design team and we did a lot of drawing of course but making furniture sculpting is not right. drawing you have to, you can draw it, you can have ideas, you can sketch, you can do whatever, but you have to really make it as three-dimensional. And if it's a seat, it has to be comfortable. And so we went to work, and we worked with a lot of pasteboard and a lot of plain wood and a lot of foam and a lot of stuff until we got the proportions right. When we got that right, then we made the product. Once we made the product with a few changes, then we would give it to the production house to make. 
and we came out of it okay. And again, I look up and say thank you. <laughs> but yes, we worked very hard, and it worked. And everybody on the team was committed. I didn't lose any of the really good people on the team. Right. Everybody was very committed. We had a very good team at that point. When we tightened up, I had a very good team left. I'm going to take a quick break so that we can pause for a word from our sponsor, but we'll be right back. To stand out in this crowded industry, you need more than a love of design. You need strategy, sales, marketing, and other things they don't teach you in design school. This episode is brought to you by Fuego, whose mission is to empower the design trade. Fuego believes that business and art can and must coexist, and they've built a platform to make that happen. Learn more at Fuego.com. And now, back to the show. One of the things that you and I have talked about a little bit is the, the high level of excellence that you have maintained in the industry for so many years. People thought when Christian Lieg left Holly Hunt that dead. You, you were, de- oh, you were, we were done. Dead. People done. were writing you off that good Absolutely. luck to her, right? Absolutely. All those showrooms, what oh. on earth is she going to fill them with? Christian Lieg's leaving. Yes, people wrote you off, and then you came roaring back with your own collection. So obviously you had this incredible team, but you also must have had this incredible culture internally. I think the internal culture or the DNA is the key. And I think what made that work, I understood very early that I can't be the best at everything. I can understand everything, I can oversee, but I need people who are better than me at some things. Right. So you had a great sales manager, I had a great HR person. I had a great presentation, visual merchandising person. I hired this new designer who's great. Mm-hmm. I had also some designers already on the team who were quite good. We had an accounting person who was terrific. And it always is the team. And so I relate it sometimes to baseball or basketball. You know, everybody can't be good at all the same things because everybody has a different thing to play on the team. Right. But if you all have the desire to win, and if you're committed, and what you're doing has an entrepreneurial spirit where you know you make a difference in what's happening, and your people make a difference, and you let them know, so we're all on the same team doing it for the same reason, you win. You don't win if you have things going on that aren't cohesive. And so sometimes... Trouble is a thing that brings you cohesive. Sometimes the commitment to win, sometimes it's a project, a plan. Um, but you, you stay together. And, and, and you have stayed together. You've, you've got people that have been with you for years and years. Right. And, and right. so you've obviously people are very loyal to you, and they obviously must feel a, a great sense of pride. I think we all felt a great sense of pride, and right. I think that is the key. And I think entrepreneurial spirit is so important. And I don't micromanage anybody. I mean, I come in and micromanage something I see wrong. Sure. What you did, I mean, you couldn't do this? Come on. Right. But I don't daily go back and see. And I think I'm more of a leader than a manager. And I think that's been very good for this because I have good managers. Yeah. And have good leaders. Well, and, and obviously you must. And 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 so so business is good. And 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 Noel actually just came out with their earnings just the other day and said things are good. We're doing well. I think we're doing very well. I think we are. Our little star knows. Yes, in those universe, right now, you're, in their universe, you're a star. There's no question about but, that. Uh, and I hope we can stay that way. 
so, they promised to leave us a standalone company, but of course that doesn't always stay as pure as it sounds. So I think we're learning to work together pretty well. Okay. And what we do and what Noel does are all about furnishings, but they're quite different. Right. So I think how we're different is more important than how we are alike. And I didn't, they didn't buy us because we fold into what we already do. They bought us because it gives you a variety, another, another profit, another, what am I trying to say, vehicle, another path. Absolutely. Another they, path. They, they knew they needed a, a wider market. They, they yes. knew that office was facing challenges. Right. And so they, they saw your business and the exposure to the clientele that, yes. that you serve. And, and they saw that as a huge opportunity. And it seems like it was a, a, a great acquisition for, for them. You regretted it for the first couple of years, but now you're learning to like it more. That's good. Okay. Um, so, so my question to you is, so looking at the business today, and you were just talking about sort of looking around the corner, what are you seeing as you look around the corner? I feel that it's a very challenging time in our industry right now. It's challenging at design centers. Designers are feeling a little under under assault. Technology is disrupting. What what do you see as you look around the corner at Holly Hunt? I see we need a bigger plan. A bigger plan. And part of that is are simple, common sense, core things. Other things are we need to be technologically more in sync with the future. So we're working on a new website. Okay. And it, we just finished a new ERP. That will work with the website, and from that, we'll be able to sell designers directly. Okay, so you're ultimately we, moving to be able to buy on the website. Yes. Okay. And be able to service those designers so they can go to the website and see where their product is, what part of production is it in, how much money do I owe, how much money did I pay. Really? Okay. I have this job for the Weinbergs. How is that coming on? I have a job over here for the Smiths, and you can look and see. You have total... Eventually, this will probably be 19 before this is finished. Well, okay. be, I believe we will launch the website in early 19, and by the end of 19, hopefully have the ability for to be able to manage your own orders through the website. Through the website. Fantastic. Which okay. is huge. Huge. Transparency is one of the huge. things that so many people t talk about. And, oh, and that's the yeah. only way to make it faster. Otherwise, you call in, where's my order? Right. Uh, I don't know. Let me check because <laughs> I can't trust my numbers here. I can't trust, I can't trust, I have, nobody has updated this, I have to look. So then you call somebody, well I want to know sofas, I want to know textiles, I want to know, and so you call three people, then you call them back and they don't answer, then they call you back and you're busy. By the time you get through, you have five or six telephone calls for where's right. my product, yes. or where's my order, Right. or why isn't my order, but, I mean, it's huge. This is a business of 10,000 details, Yes. and these details are important. So how do we make 10,000 details be able to be handled in 1,000 instead of 10? Yeah. And technology does that. Technology is the key. Okay, so uh, this is a major investment you're making major, in, in major. technology. What do you think is, is coming down the road for pricing in this industry? I have found that pricing is not the problem. Okay. I mean, I'm not talking about the designer's pricing. I right. don't control that. Pricing of the product is not a problem. Okay. It is the perception of the quality of the product and the design. If the client feels the quality is better, has the perception that the design is better, they'll pay for it. And so we're staying high end. Other people can probably do the lower end better than we can. Mm -hmm. 
so I'm staying mid to high. I think you need to have some range and right. pricing. Right. And a lot of the product allows you to have some range and pricing. I mean, you still wear a great T-shirt with that Armani jacket. You know, you still have you have other things, but I don't think we will ever go do a cheaper line just to compete with ourselves. Right. And, and with some of your street level locations, are you finding that more and more consumers are coming to you? And is that, is that a challenge for you? I find that we get more and more awareness and there are more and more people who know who we are okay. or who see the building. I don't feel like because we sell designers and it's a little complicated to buy unless you know what you're doing. If right. you come in and present yourself as a designer, sure, I can't tell you who's a designer or not, but if you present yourself as a designer, you have credentials to be a designer or a resale member, we'll certainly sell you. Right. Or if you want to pay tax, it's okay. But I don't. I have it more in Florida than I do in New York. Okay. In Florida, more people come in, but usually because they're from, I guess, Venezuela is, doesn't have any money anymore. They're from Venezuela living here, or they're from... Uh, wherever. They yeah. come from South America, they come from Mexico sometimes, and usually they have their own designer, but occasionally not. Occasionally somebody wants to come in and do their own business, which is fine with me. Okay, okay. I know that we're pressed for time and that you have to get out of here. Um, so what, what do you see for yourself in the next few years? Darling, that is the big question. Yes. And I don't honestly know. Okay. I will either do this a bit longer or perhaps not so full-time okay and I have always thought maybe I will build or rehab houses maybe we'll make a new business of the one I started to do really? 20 years 30 years ago okay I, I'm building a big house in Aspen right now and it's gonna take some time and we'll see how that works out well I was going to say I mean you're building a big house in Aspen and you're involved in that you're also selling some some prized collections of the and selling the a, art collection. I'm selling a major piece of my art collection. Right. And kind of lightening up, and I'm going to see what is kind of new. You know, okay. you don't want to be walking around at this point in life taking care of stuff, you know. You want to be doing things you love. Okay. I love my business, so I may stay with it right. a bit longer. <laughs> and I, I love houses and doing things like this, so I may do that. But sometimes things get to be a weight, and you if you get up worrying about everything every day, uh, that's not... So that's good. So I, I did that yeah. for 30 years. I don't yeah. have to do that anymore. Okay. Okay. So you're in it, but you, uh, you're I'm thinking about... I'm in it, and okay. I want it to be successful. It carries yes. my name. Anything yes. I can do to make it better, I will do. But maybe it's not a full-time job after another year. After another year. Well, I have okay. a contract through this year. You do? And then we decide what happens next year. Okay. So you and Mr. Kogan will sit down and... We sat down yesterday. And we did. talked about... We didn't talk about that. We talked <laughs> about a big plan to grow this business, not only to scale it in quality, but also to scale it in volume and what do we need to build this business. And so that's interesting. So we will be working with that probably for the next couple of months until we have a bigger plan. Okay. And um, he and I both have talked about what I'm going to do, and since I don't know, and he's willing to do, to offer whatever makes sense. And so um, I'm sure he I have to, to, to decide. Okay. And we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure he'd love to have you for as long as you want to stay at the helm of Holly. Well, so Hunt. far, yes. Now, after a while, he may get tired of <laughs> me, too, so we'll see. But I'm, right now, I'm very happy. Okay. Good. Well, I'm glad. 
And thank you so much for having me in to talk about my business. And maybe we'll do this again sometime. Well, exactly. You'll have to come and tell us about the grand plan once right. you've figured it all right. out. Right. So thank, thank you so much for making the time. I know this was very last minute, and so I really appreciate you making the time uh, to sit down with us. My guest today has been Holly Hunt of, you guessed it, Holly Hunt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. The show is Business of Home, and I'm Dennis Scully. If you like what you hear, please feel free to subscribe, and most of all, leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps to grow our audience. Thanks again to our sponsor and our producer. You can find us on editoratlarge.com or Facebook or Instagram. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.